Hello, I'm Lydia Champole, and welcome to another episode of the Creepy Tech Podcast. Feel free to send me a message if you have anything specific you want me to cover this season, or you can leave me a voicemail at 503-395-8030 if you have a creepy tech story that you would like shared on the next episode. This week, we are going to do a deep dive into website cookies, what they are, how we use them, and the way that they are changing our understanding of free will, privacy, and how we behave as human beings. So, let's jump right in. Over the past few years, you may have noticed that sometimes when you use a website for the first time, there's a little pop-up. This pop-up usually says something along the lines of, quote, we use cookies to make our site work, to understand how it is used, and to tailor advertisements presented on our site. By clicking accept, you agree to us doing so. You can read more by clicking on our privacy policy here, unquote. They typically link to their privacy policy, where you can read more about what data they collect, how they use it, who they share it with, and even what will happen to your data if they sell their business or website. So what exactly are these cookie things? You can think of cookies as a small collection of information, like crumbs almost. They collect things like your IP address, your name, your age, behavior on a website, what you add to your cart, how long you look at a product, or even the amount of time it takes you to read an article. Cookies are carried over between websites, your browser will keep the cookies collected on each website for a specified amount of time, which means as long as that time limit hasn't been reached, then every website you visit will have the information from your last viewed websites. They then use this information to specifically tailor the current site that you are on just for you. Meaning that if you are just on Google searching for a new phone to buy, then the next website may have advertisements for the specific phones you were just looking at on Google. Now, most of us don't read these privacy policies, which is completely understandable. They're long, often very boring, and we usually just want to get to the content as quick as possible. So we click accept without a second thought. I found it interesting that most companies included the phrase to make our website work in their cookie pop-up. From the statement on the pop-up, a lot of us may think that we wouldn't be able to use the website if we didn't agree. But that's not necessarily accurate. See, these websites can work perfectly even when you don't agree to their use of cookies. So I decided to head to a website called Blavity, which I knew had a cookie pop-up agreement to use as an example. To begin this dive, I started by looking at their privacy policy, where I read the following, quote, Ads appearing on any Blavity websites may be delivered to users by advertising partners who may set cookies. These cookies allow the ad server to recognize your computer each time they send you an online advertisement to compile information about you or others who use your computer. This information allows ad networks to, among other things, deliver targeted advertisements that they believe will be of most interest to you. This privacy policy covers the use of cookies by Blavity 
and does not cover the use of cookies by any other advertisers. The privacy policy continues to state that, quote, Blavity visitors who do not wish to have cookies placed on their computers should set their browsers to refuse cookies before using Blavity's website, with the drawback that certain features of Blavity's website may not function properly without the aid of cookies, end quote which is another statement warning of the possibilities that you may be missing out on something by not opting in, which made me wonder. Would adjusting my browser settings actually change the website in any way? And if any critical parts of the website wouldn't work without cookies, why didn't they just design a website version that actually does work without the use of cookies? Anyway, there are two types of cookies, session cookies and persistent cookies. Both collect the same types of information, eh, roughly. Uh, the major difference is that the session cookies are temporary. Once you close your browser, any information it has collected will not be retained by that browser. It's not saved on your hard drive. Persistent cookies collect identifying information and data from a user, and this data will be stored on your hard drive until it is deleted by you or the time runs out. The data collected can include website browsing behavior. This can include how long it takes you to scroll, where you pause inside of an like while reading an article. It's actually pretty detailed. Uh, it could also include your IP addresses and things like that. When you provide a website with your email address or name, it can then use that information in connection to any other data collected by their cookies. And there's a difference between first-party and third-party cookies. First-party meaning the cookies originated from that website that you are on, just that company. Now, third-party cookies are cookies that are coming from companies that are working with the website that you are currently on or currently browsing. Websites can use your email address with the cookie information and combine it to make a user profile. Most companies, however, are simply using cookies to see how you use their sites and to figure out basically how to target ads to you that you may be interested in. But over the past few years, the use of malicious cookies, which are cookies that track, collect data, and build a user profile, has grown significantly. This user profile that they put together can then be sold to third-party companies, advertisers, or can be used by individuals to gain access to your other accounts or to send targeted phishing emails that you may fall for because you have interacted with a website like the one that they're sending you to. So I wanted to see if I could find at least one website that would allow me to opt out directly on their website. Um, and I did have a very difficult time finding one. And the closest I could find while researching this specific topic was the CPO Magazine website, where they did provide a link to customize my preferences for their use of cookies. However, they did not have the options there to easily turn off the cookie tracking. Instead, they provided a long, detailed page of information on the various websites, apps, advertisers, and third parties that would be using the information that they collect from me. They also offered the following information, I mean, just to be very complete. Uh, and the information found on their website stated that, quote, 
In addition to what is specified in this document, the users can manage preferences for cookies directly from within their own browser and prevent, for example, third parties from installing cookies. Through browser preferences, it is also possible to delete cookies installed in the past, including the cookies that may have saved the initial consent for the installation of cookies by this website. Users can, for example, find information about how to manage cookies in the most commonly used browsers at the following addresses, Google, Chrome, Mozilla Firefox, uh, Apple Safari, and Microsoft Internet Explorer, end quote. They also provided an email address to contact if you do not want them to collect data. So they basically give you the steps on how to stop the tracking. However, for those of us whose brains immediately shut off when we encounter a page filled with dense information, the TLDR syndrome usually convinces us that it's fine. We'll just accept it instead of searching through the whole page just to opt out. And that's basically what I usually do. But in this case, I had to bring this to you guys. Um, anyway, the reason I went to the CBO magazine website was because one of their articles discussing the future of cookies caught my attention. In the article, uh, which is also linked on the website for this specific episode, um, elshampole.com, you can go find that there. Uh, in the article, they discuss how website tracking may work in the future. The IAB, Interactive Advertising Bureau, Tech Lab, proposes the creation of a digital token that would become a single unique identifier that follows you around the web in order to track your browsing habits and your privacy preferences. Instead of hundreds of web tracking technologies on every web page, there would only be one centralized token that follows you. End quote. Basically meaning that this new way of tracking would create a token specifically for you. This token would carry all of the information collected about you between websites indefinitely. Now, the creator of this new tech, his name is Jordan Mitchell. Um, he stated that he noticed that the main problem with cookies... Uh, which were first invented and first implemented around 20 years ago, is that all of these different websites are using their own proprietary cookies instead of one standardized cookie for each user. The use of so many different cookies leads to a lack of privacy between the website you are actually on and all of the third-party websites that works with that one. Any company could essentially track your behavior without you ever knowing. Mitchell's proposed centralized cookie would take into account the need for privacy bridges, and it would require companies to prove that they are in fact following the guidelines and rules set by some governing or regulating agency which has yet to be formed. Which of course brings up a handful of questions about trust. Naturally, how would this regulating agency also be regulated? Who would be creating the guidelines and rules that they have to follow? The article continues to state that they spoke uh, with the CEO of, of Brave, whose name is Brendan, and shortly after, he tweeted, quote, Who are they kidding? A single token will uniquely identify you and be linked to your name and personal data in a trice. End quote. How would one create a single identifying token specifically for each user, but maintain the stance that even though information has been collected, that that user is still anonymous. Your specific behavior, your scrolling patterns, your purchase history, your location, your IP addresses, etc., would be more than enough to identify you specifically. 
A while back, the New York Times looked into exactly how much collected anonymized, quote-unquote, data, or anonymous, quote-unquote, data points it takes to identify any American. And the amount, not surprisingly, is incredibly small. There is an article by Gina Collada, <laughs> which made me kind of giggle. Um, there is an article by Gina Collada that states that, quote, the investigators developed a method to re-identify individuals from just bits of what was supposed to be anonymous data, end quote. Which is probably a statement that I'm sure all of us have read at least one time on a website or app that we have visited. Now, Collada continued to explain that, quote, even anonymized data sets often include scores of so-called attributes, characteristics about an individual or household, anonymized consumer data sold by Experian, the credit bureau, to Alteryx, a marketing firm, included 120 million Americans and 248 attributes per household, end quote. Scientists at Imperial College London in Belgium reported in the Journal of Nature Communications that they had devised a computer algorithm that can identify 99.98% of Americans from almost any available data set with as few as 15 attributes, such as gender, zip code, or marital status. Even more surprising, the scientists posted their software code online for anyone to use, end quote. Now, while these scientists were hesitant to post the algorithm online, they still followed through and did it. It's safe to assume that there are people out there already using it for this specific purpose. Now, this is not the first time that supposedly anonymous data has been found to be not so anonymous. Um, you may remember that in season one, I covered the genetic testing company 23andMe. In that episode, I discussed that their privacy policy and terms of service agreement states that the samples you send them can be shared or would be shared with research institutions as well as some third-party companies that they work with. You can take a listen to that episode. It's episode one in season one if you would like to hear more about that. In 2016, something like that basically happened and it was very interesting. A woman called Anna Rosenberg called up a data broker. These are companies like Experian or Datalogix that collect data. Okay, these companies collect user information, uh, they set up trends, behavioral analysis, uh, and they sell these to companies or individuals who are interested in that information. Anna Rosenberg called up this broker and told them that she worked for a small startup in Tel Aviv and that she was working on training a neural network. She requested a free trial to be able to access the browsing history collected for more than 3 million Germans. The company gave her live access to the information, meaning that the data was refreshed every single day. It was later discovered that neither Rosenberg nor the startup actually existed. In fact, the whole project was created by an undercover journalist, Svia Eckert, who wanted to see how easy it was to get access to this type of information about individuals. Vice actually interviewed Eckert and walked through exactly what method was used to de-anonymize this information. She explained that she had partnered with a data scientist, Andreas Dues, to see whether they could identify the individuals from the information they collected about them. Eckert discovered that she was able to identify her colleagues by using their login IDs at the company and cross-listing it with the information collected. She then reached out to one of her colleagues and asked them to delete one browser plugin every hour until he disappeared from the live view. And after seven deleted plugins, 
his entries finally disappeared. The creepiest part about this is that the method can be used by anyone out there and it's most likely being used. You may be wondering, how can we protect ourselves from this? Well, <laughs> I guess I have a couple of tips for you, but at the end of the day, with the way that the world is moving and the way technology is advancing so quickly, these may be outdated in a couple of weeks anyways, or they probably already are. But you might as well try them, right? You can navigate to your cookie settings, exactly like that website said, and in whichever browser you are using, turn off the permissions to websites and third parties from collecting cookies. You can then get a VPN, which I covered in Season 1, Episode 5, to protect your data. You can also make sure to keep yourself signed out of any apps on your phone, websites you visit, and turn off location permissions to all apps on your phone. I would also recommend that you don't install any apps without reading their policies. I know how tempting it is to just click agree and get going, but sometimes it's for your, your best interest to actually read them and see whether or not you do agree to the policy. Last of all, most phones and computers collect analytics. If you don't want these sent to the manufacturer, for example, Apple or Microsoft or HP or any of those companies that make laptops, computers, etc., even your TV these days, uh, you can turn off those permissions as well. That's all I have for you this week, and thank you so much for listening. As I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, uh, if you have a story that has to do with any kind of creepy technology, you just want to say hello or anything like that, feel free to call 503-395-8030 and leave me a voicemail. I would love to share it on one of our upcoming episodes. I know a lot of you have actually reached out on Instagram and Twitter and sent me messages about um, how ads have been tracking you or how companies have popped up right after you've spoken about them, those kinds of things. And I would love to share those. Please send them to me. Uh, yeah. You can find me on Instagram at tech underscore creepy or on Twitter at tech creepy or you can also look at my website, elshampalay.com, where you will find the show notes, um, the links that I used, any references that I have, um, any cool stuff that I've seen of late. Yeah. And if you are interested in listening to new podcasts, I also just started a company called CrossPods, and we have just released our second episode of season one. And you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of the major listening apps. Um, you can also go to thecrossbots.com. It is basically a podcast on shuffles. So every single week you get to listen to a new podcaster or a new conversation and you can add them to your list if you like them. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. <laughs>